jumped up. I said, man, I've always wanted to play Division One in NFL football. And the room erupted in laughter. You know, Sean, you'll never make it. You're not strong enough. You're not quick enough. You're not, you know, just yada, yada, yada. And the first thing I learned is that, you know, you never let people to define or create your world because they were always created too small. And I walked out to the practice field and I yelled, all I have is a dream. Underdog stories are happening all around us, not just in the movies or on TV. There are people out there beating the odds and overcoming adversity every single day. And on this podcast, we're bringing those stories to light. This is Tyler O'Shea, and you're listening to Hustle and Motivate. Today's guest grew up with a stutter, struggled in school, barely started in high school sports, and played a total of one play his entire first year of junior college. But Sean Harper never saw himself as a victim, and he believed 100% in himself and his dream of making it to the NFL. Through that belief and all the hard work that came with it, Sean ended up playing seven seasons of professional football with the Rams, Oilers, Colts, and NFL Europe. But that wasn't the end of his journey. And I'll leave it to Sean to tell you the rest of the amazing things he's accomplished since hanging up the cleats. In our conversation, Sean explains why you shouldn't strive for success and how he applied the NFL mindset to win in business and life. And make sure you stick around to the end to hear about his new book, The Winning Edge, and how you can get it completely free today. You won't want to miss it. So here is Sean Harper. Currently, I'm the uh, CEO of American Services and Protection, a full-service security company out of Ohio. Um, I've played about seven years professional football, half uh, with the NFL, other half in the NFL Europe, a subsidiary of the NFL. I just uh, travel and speak. I love to uh, invest in the world's greatest resource, which is people, because when you invest in people, it has potential of reaping generations of dividends. So that's the current story. Um, I have a blessed and amazing backstory that led up to that. Um, I think the primary um, overview of my story is that when you get knocked down, if you can look up, you can get up. And uh, I can answer any questions that led up to that moment. And let me back up in my mind here. First and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. So, Yeah, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And obviously, you mentioned playing seven years in the NFL and all that you've accomplished in the business world. And I obviously want to get into that. But before that, I do want to go back to your childhood because I understand you did have some challenges that you faced early on. Yeah, it's it's a. I was probably the least likely person to uh, you would imagine to win in life, and so uh, most people would expect me to say the words be successful, but I believe that's a man-made construct and I'll get to that a little later on. Winning, uh, is what it's all about. Uh, but my challenges is that, uh, um, I, I, I remember standing in the second grade line, uh, the first day of school, the second grade and the teacher walks over and she pulls me back into the first grade line. And I'm like, what's going on? And then it comes out that, uh, you have to, you have to, re- to re- repeat the first grade. And, my friends begin to laugh, like, Sean, you failed. Sean, you're stupid. Sean, you're dumb. You're an idiot. And just hearing those words repeated, you know, every single day. Uh, you can't play with us no more because you're, um, you're in the first grade. So use your first grade friends or, you know, find some first grade friends, but not us. We're in the second grade. 
um, I continued to struggle until one day in the fifth grade, my teacher, Mrs. Jennings, bless her heart, uh, she, uh, I guess, felt sorry for me, and she uh, called a meeting with you know, the psychologists and sociologists and all the theologists were in this room, right? And they began to test me for about uh, two to three days. And they called my mom in. They said, Ms. Harper, your son has four, maybe five documented learning disabilities. And we have to do all sorts of intervention and techniques and blah, blah, blah. And my mom pushed back against every single one. And I don't know what she was doing, but she was bad. Uh, something about labeling my son. And, uh, years later, I, you know, I really thank her for that. But I struggled. Um, I wasn't a bad boy growing up, although I was in gangs and I had you know, drugs in, in my life. And, but I was a mad boy. And in the streets, bad ain't got nothing on mad, I'll tell you right now. So, I, you know, I got kicked out of a couple of schools. I got kicked out of uh, eighth grade. I got kicked out of ninth grade. I ended up leaving high school, graduating. Uh, with a 1.62 accumulative GPA, not on my ACT. I barely started in high school sports. I wasn't even an honorable mention on conference, uh, and I stuttered. And, uh, if you hear, you know, and if you listen real closely, you know, you would hear, you know, every once in a while, um, you would hear me stutter. But let me just pause for a quick second and say this, because this is extremely important. I don't believe in victimization. Um, I'm not disabled. In my crazy mind, I'm not disabled. I'm uniquely enabled to do certain things. I have strength and I have weaknesses. Um, and everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Like Superman, he's, you know, he's, he's amazing, but guess what? Put some kryptonite in his face and that's his weakness. You know? But you don't hear him saying, oh no, there's kryptonite. He's like, hey, Batman, uh, can you cover that up for me, please? So I can go and conquer the world. <laughs> so I, I uh, go off to a junior college uh, and in the first year, I don't even step on the field. I think maybe one play, maybe. Uh, and um, I pick up the phone and I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, I quit. Mom, I give up. You know, I, I just, I'm done. And my mom began to encourage me, son, go back. You know, you know how moms do. You know, you can do it, son. And so I go back to second year and I and I jump up. It's called a Freudian slip, I learned. And I jumped up. I said, man, I've always wanted to play Division One in NFL football. And the room erupted in laughter. You know, Sean, you'll never make it. You're not strong enough. You're not quick enough. You're not, you know, just yada, yada, yada. And the first thing I learned is that, you know, you never let people to define or create your world because they will always create it too small. And I walked out to the practice field and I yelled, all I have is a dream. And I wrote down three letters. I wrote down NFL on the wall. And every day I woke up, I said, NFL, that's where I'm going. Every night before I went to sleep, I said, NFL, that's where I'm going. And I made a shift in my life. And this is, I'm saying all this to say that the shift came from, you're right, I may never be successful, but I'm here to win. And that's where the shift came because life is not about success. I mentioned that earlier. People probably like, you know, clutch the pearls. You know, life is about winning. And the reason why life is about winning is because winning is in your DNA. Winning is who you are. Uh, um, I don't care what city you're in. You know, if you have an NFL team or an NBA team and they've lost every game for the past 10 years, you are not buying a ticket. Or if you want to go, you probably walk right in. They'll just let you sit in there for free. But if they won every single game, man, you can't find the ticket. And, and, and it's not because it's not. Because they love or they don't love the team is because they can't identify with losing because the DNA of a human is centered and built around winning. 
That's why we played video games for two, you know, all day when we were kids, because we want to connect with the identity of who we are. And that goes back before the womb. That goes back, I'm sorry, to the womb. When you're one or two million sperm cells that fertilize the egg, you won. So you identify with winning. And then around the third or fourth grade, they introduce this lie called success. And success and winning is not the same. Winning is the fullest expression of who you are mentally, spiritually, uh, physically, emotionally, uh, and legacy. Things like that. Winning, uh, success is is um, uh, basically built around production. So, yes, that's... Uh, that's what I did. That's the changes that I made uh, to actually allow me to um, win. And what made you write NFL and like really like make that shift? Well, because I started listening to something else. And uh, up until that point, I'm listening to the opinions of people. I'm listening to the the actually the voices in my own head, you know, you're a failure, you're a loser, you know, but then I started listening to something a little deeper and that's that dream. And everyone has that dream or else you wouldn't be here. You are born for a season and you're born for a reason. And that dream began to speak NFL blessing people. And, and so I pulled that, I pulled that and I wrote that down. And so my dream, when you write it down, becomes your vision. So it's all congruent. It's all connecting with the essence of who I am. And when you begin to write down the essence of who you are, your, your God-given purpose, you move out of creation and you move into something much, much more powerful. And that's manifestation. This is where I'm going, the NFL. Come hell or high water. And so I, I begin to listen to that inner voice and to repeat what the inner voice said. And what was it like to see that dream slowly become a reality? Amazing and scared at the same time. Yeah, let's be honest. Because I'm fighting against the world to make it to 0.02% of any athlete makes it to that level. That was amazing to see that. But now I'm kind of scared because now what? You know, I've made it. Now what? And I'll be honest with you. I spent years in the now what? Because I made it to the NFL, I'm successful. Hey, or I won. Now what? And so doing a lot of soul searching as of late, listening, 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 finding that voice to say, what else do you pull out of your soul and you write down that everyone's going to say you'll never do it. And that's where I'm going. And it's speaking, uh, investing, and pouring into people all over the planet Earth and of course, owning companies and investments and stuff like that. And what do you remember about getting drafted? And then, I guess, to piggyback off of that, what did you notice as the biggest differences between college football and the NFL? So I'll answer that in reverse if I could. The biggest difference is in the NFL, you see, in college, they kind of hide the fact that uh, – Collegiate and professional sports is a business in the facade of a sport. There's billions of dollars that are made every single year in collegiate sports. There's billions of dollars made every year in the NFL. Billions. It's a business. In the NFL, 
that veil is kind of pierced a little bit. Like this is business and you need to conduct yourself as a businessman or in some cases a business woman. But this is all business. The second thing I've noticed in the NFL was speed. It is just like fast. I mean, the first day of just, I'm just like, man, I was going to block you. I was trying to block you, but you are already making the tackle and you're back in the huddle. How did that just happen? <laughs> and so I had to speed myself up, speed myself up. It is fast and it is extremely competitive. What was it like draft day? You know, it was just me and my best friend at the time, you know, and uh, we were just sitting by the phone. And that phone rang, third pick in the fourth round. I was excited. I was like, man, this is it. And I made the, you know, yes, I'm going to do that. And I got in the car and I went to Red Lobster, <laughs> me and my friend, and we just ate. And, of course, the phone is blowing up with all the congratulations, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was really simple. And then getting into that NFL locker room with world-class athletes, from your experience, what separates an average player from a great player or a superstar? Discipline, 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 discipline. One of the guys that mentored me um, first couple years with the Rams, he mentored me vocally, but I just watched him and he allowed me to just hang out and just, I just, man, it was just, it was just amazing. Actually, there was two people, but the first one I want to mention was a guy named Jackie Slater. Now, Jackie played about 20 years in uh, professional football. You don't make 20 years. In the NFL, when the average lifespan in the NFL is under three years, you don't make 20 years uh, being uh, average. You don't make 20 years being a superstar. You make 20 years by having an insane, insane amount of discipline uh, in systems. And one of the things I noticed about Jackie and that I use to this day, because I learned a ton of stuff from Jackie, is that if practice started at eight o'clock, number one, he was early, but he would come to practice every single day dressed up. He would come in there with uh, slacks, uh, shoes, a sports jacket. I'm like, wow. And uh, I, I believe that my brother or someone asked him, why do you dress like that? And he's like, because. He said, this is business. This is business. And he always kept a, a, a business perspective. He never went out. You know, he didn't hang out with other players afterwards. He was very, you know, come to practice. You work, you do your business, and you go home. That allowed him to play so many years because he had an ownership mindset. He wasn't a player. He was a part owner of the team and he was in his mind. It's like if the team loses, man, you know, he felt it like a GM or an actual owner would feel it. That's what allowed him to play. And then other things like, you know, he was willing to do what other people wasn't. You know, if practice started at three o'clock, he was on the football field at two thirty. Football on the football field a half hour before everyone else, and I know this because he made me hold the punching bags uh, a half hour, and I had to be out there a half hour, and he would go through the simple punching drills every day. Things that uh, I saw in high school he would do. One day he looked at me, he's like, you know what, your skills are like steak knives. He said, if you don't keep them sharp, they will go dull on you. And I learned a ton of stuff from him, but yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned he had the business mindset playing sports and how you went from the sports mindset to business. Did that kind of rub off on you? No, um, actually, this is probably the first time I've ever heard that, but I will receive that. I'll look at that. You know, he's, you know, he is such, he is such an amazing person that, 
yeah, I'll just adopt that right now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, no, I I never looked at it like that. And that's probably where I got it from. That's really interesting. So what what does it take? I mean, what does it take to perform at a high level on the biggest stage in front of all those fans? You got millions of people watching you on TV. What does that take mentally? Um, I'll share with you one of the things that I had to develop. And unfortunately, I developed it after the game was over. Um, and it uh, kind of short-circuited my career, to be honest, you know, because I didn't have a stellar NFL career. But I was around enough amazing people to pick up some great nuggets, you know, uh, people like Bruce Matthews, Jerome Bettis, Marshall Falk, you know, just, man, just, and I learned from them. But uh, the thing that I've learned is you have to have a short memory in, in the NFL. Um, it's, if you are an offensive tackle and you give up a sack, that sack is the last play. It's, it's, it's a new play. If you have a bad game, by the time they finish yelling at you, critiquing you. Once you walk out the field the next week, that's a new season. It's it's a new day because you have another game coming up. You can't take what happened in the last game or the last play into the next season or the next play. You can't do that. Um, If you are a cornerback, a corner, not quarter, but cornerback, a DB, and you give up a touchdown, man, you cannot linger on the last play. And vice versa, if you had an amazing play, that was the last play. And so understanding, being able to compartmentalize play by play, season by season, game by game, and um, experience by experience is an amazing uh, mindset that you have to develop. And just the nature of an offensive lineman, the fans really only notice when you make a mistake. So, yeah. I mean, did you have did you have that in mind at all? Like, kind of, you're not really going to get noticed unless you mess up. Now, this may uh, seem kind of um, uh, kind of blunt, but we don't play for the fans. You watch us play. We play to win. We don't play for y'all. Now we're letting you watch. But our drive and our desire to win for each other, for our teammate, is greater than what you think about us. <laughs> uh, yes. This is why I remember Prince um, jumping off a football. Prince is, uh, was a performer. Well, you know what? I have, a, I, have, I have another. Well, no. I'll use Prince. Um, finishing up in NFL Europe, I was in Amsterdam, Holland. And I wasn't there, but I heard of this happen. Uh, there was a, uh, a nightclub, I believe it was called the uh, Escape. And uh, they had some people playing on stage. And Prince just jumps up and says, give me, give me the guitar. I want to play. Small little club. And he just has like a jam session for like, you know, an hour and a half. He's playing because he loves to play. He loves to play. Uh, and you hear this a lot with 
musicians, you know, they'll go in the back and they'll have, a, I mean, they're four in the morning, they're tired, they'll have a jam session. They love to play. If there's nine people there or 9,000 or 90,000, they're going to play the same. That's the difference between a lot of amateurs and pros. Pros want to win. They play because they love to play. And what was it like in NFL Europe? NFL Europe was like reality TV before reality TV was out. Because you have 40 athletes, 50 athletes, and, and, you know, and we're all trying to either uh, get to the NFL, get back to the NFL. A large number of athletes that were there were on loan from NFL teams. So if you weren't a starter, and sometimes if you were a starter, they would ship you over to NFL Europe and you'd play. You get on a plane and fly over and you're going to play a season over there, you know, to kind of hold your skills. It was amazing. It was so fun. Just the culture. Man, you know, the Europeans, it's just, they are amazing. I mean, they would cheer, they would cheer for you win or lose. I mean, can you imagine one year I was playing for Frankfurt. Can you imagine 65, 70,000 people singing a song to you? One song. They're looking you in your eye or in your face and they're singing to you. The energy is unbelievable. The fan base in Germany, just in, in, even, even in Holland, was unbelievable. I love it. It's a totally different experience. And how long were you over there for? I played uh, three seasons there, three and a half to four in the NFL. And when did you realize, you know, your athletic career was kind of coming to an end? You know, it, it uh, but, you know, it just started to slow down, and uh, um, I needed a shift. Yeah, and a business opportunity opened up, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna try this. I think I'm done. I never wanted to be the person chasing the game. I never wanted to be that person. And so I said, you know what? Let's make the shift. And one year I just didn't put my name in the draft and I just kept moving from there. And what was that transition like going from NFL to the business world? You know, a lot of people, a lot of former athletes don't make that transition well. And so I'm going to give you some insight. You have to understand that we've been playing the game since the second and third grade. It is it is morphed into a large proportion, or, or, or yeah, yeah, that's a good word. The large proportion of our identity. We've been playing since the second grade, third grade, year after year. Oh, you're a football player. Oh, you're a football. And then sixth grade, seventh grade, you're good. You know, one day you're gonna get a scholarship. And then you know, ninth, tenth grade, all state, all this, all that. You know, you are. X, the football player. Oh, yeah, he plays football. So now it becomes, a, it morphs into a, uh, uh, your actual identity. And then one day, whether it's college, NFL, or high school, one day it stops. Like, like it stops, but the inertia in your energy, in your persona, in your personality, it doesn't. And it keeps moving, but there's no outlet for it. And so it's almost like a warrior with no war. It's like it's over. It doesn't slow down. It doesn't come to an end. It stops. And to be honest, a lot of athletes, it's hard to make that transition. And so a lot of them, a lot of them stay close to the game. 
maybe they become coaches or, you know, just, um, uh, or they become consultants or they work some, something or somewhere around sports, something to do with a team. Um, but, uh, that is a very, very, very tough transition. That's a tough transition. Um, so it was really rough for me. It, it was extremely rough. I've been out of the league for a long time. And just last night I had a football dream. I'm still having football dreams years later, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it is a very tough transition, but it's doable, which is, to be honest, also is one of the reasons why I came up with the phrase play to win, because as a business owner, I wasn't able to cope in corporate America, uh, you know, because they have, you know, this is best practices and, you know, things are going so slow. I'm like, I'm not used to this. I'm used to winning, you know, hey, let's talk and let's have a problem. No, we're not done yet. <laughs> let's finish. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to bring what I've learned in football and I'm going to merge it into corporate America. And I begin to change terms around because I realized that business owners and executives, they want to win. They don't want to be successful. They're already successful. They're already successful. They're CEO, you know, they're CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Of course, they don't want to be successful anymore. They want to win now. That's a difference. And so I'm like, the problem is, is that rest, the rest of corporate America, they want to be successful. I'm like, no, you should think like the CEO. And a lot of Fortune 500 companies are judged on win or lose. Give you an example. They have quarterlies. They have uh, earnings per share that comes out once a quarter. Either you make the numbers or you don't make the numbers. It's win or lose. You know? So bringing that NFL, that professional mindset into corporate America, that's what I'm about. So what was that first step when you take your name out of the draft and you decide to go into business? Did you start your own company right then? So I... Acquire some interest in in a security firm. And so I owned a portion of it. And then I was able to, as I started to make the transition, um, I began to, you know, work with the firm and uh, gain some profit and things as such from that. And so, uh, and then as the years went on, you know, my partner, you know, he had moved on and I and I acquired it full time in 2004. And so I've just been moving and growing ever since. And what were some of the challenges you faced when you kind of took over? Oh, one of the biggest challenges is that uh, everyone had a corporate mindset and I had an NFL mindset. So my intensity level, my level of dedication was different. My tenacity level was different. Uh, my drive was different, and so I, it was it was very frustrating, very frustrating. And so I had to um, first get the right people on the bus. Two, I had to learn how to use my motivational skills and inspirational skills inwardly now to you know encourage and motivate and bring people to another level inside my corporation versus speaking to other corporations. And so um, just to get people to that level was challenging. And it is challenging still at times, but you know what? 
I've learned how to, you know, have more, I guess, more sympathy, empathetic, whatever you want to call it, and just you know, slow down a bit and realize that everyone's not like you. You know, 0.02% of all players even make it to the NFL for one year. You know, you are a different breed, you know, so uh, slow it down a little bit, encourage a little more, and uh, look for the people that, that have that eye to win. You know, it's funny. Um, I guess Forbes came out with a survey. I think it's over 90% of all C-level executive females, I believe, were either high school or collegiate athletes. I think it was college athletes. 90%. That's a high number. So you had your security services firm. When did your speaking career kind of take off? There were seeds that were planted throughout the years, but I tell you what, um, you know, College, but more so in the NFL, in the off season, they would ask people to come in and speak. You know, hey, you know, we want you know one of your you know Rams guys to come over and speak to the boys club or speak here or share your faith or your testimony. You know, you get those calls all the time, and I just started doing it. Like, hey, man, you know, and I'm thinking that once I finished playing professional football, that it would end, but it just kept going. And um, I hooked up with you know a couple other you know organizations during the off season and during downtime that were speaking organizations and it just kept moving and just kept progressing. And I just uh, followed the, uh, followed the inertia and just rolled with it. And you already touched on success versus winning in sports. People always talk about playing to win versus playing not to lose. How can people apply that, that mindset to their life? You got to ask yourself a question. A lot of the decisions that you're making, is this is this a winning decision? Because if this is a game and you're still living, then the game is not over. The game is not over until you flatline. So now it forces you, like Mr. Stephen Covey says, to start with the end in mind. The decision that I'm making right now, how is it going to affect my life 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Getting out of the moment so that you're able to not react, but respond to stimuli and opportunities. And so having that 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 is that is the beginning of developing a winning mindset. So in sports and particularly in football, you're never gonna play a totally perfect game. There's always gonna be mistakes and stuff like that. And I feel like athletes, especially myself, I know I played baseball through college and failure's a huge part of baseball. And athletes recognize that and accept that while they're on the field, but for some reason I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you face a setback off the field, people don't always treat it the same way. Like they don't, they, they're not able to move on from it as quickly as they would if they were on the field. So how can people handle failure in a, I guess, a more constructive way in life? Realizing that if life is a game, you play to win. So we're able to deal with setbacks and shortcomings in baseball because we have a we have a finite ending. We know that it's going to end in the fourth quarter or in the last inning. So there's going to be mistakes along the way. But the big goal is to W at the end. In life, the success paradigm snatches you. And now you are you are engineered to think day by day, moment by moment. 
And that's where your hope is. That's where your mindset is. Moment by moment, day by day. You do that, then yes, the success or the failure of the moment is so monumental. But if you were to say, hey, how is this going to play out over the next 10 years of my life? It's not a big deal. Like right now, if you're listening and you're like, you know what, what's going to happen if I get laid off from my job? What's going to happen when I'm laid off? Wow, it's just, you know, the world's going to end. Now take that same scenario and putting in a winning mindset. What's going to happen if I'm laid off over the next 30 years? How is that going to affect my life over the next 30 years? Mm, maybe not. And then some, someone might say, well, you don't know when you're going to die. You could be, you know, dead a year from now. Okay, good. What's that going to affect me when I'm dead? Really? So <laughs> you, you have to open it up a little bit. You have to expand the parameters of life versus living in the moment. You can produce in the moment. You can, you can put your energy in the moment. You can put your heart in the now because I believe that. Okay. But if you put your emotions and your vision in the moment, the moment can take you down. It can take you under. And have you always had that long-term vision? Looking at things like 30... No, no. I don't have it now half the time. I have to feel it, experience, and remind myself that this is just a moment. And then I can put my eyes back where they need to be. So what, what would you say is the one thing you want our listeners to remember or take away from from this, this conversation? First and foremost, if life is a game, play to win. Play this game of life to win. Don't play this game to be successful. Play to win. Okay? Number two, you will get knocked down in life. As I said earlier, you will be disappointed. You will have setbacks. Man, I'm ticking. It hurts. But when you get knocked down, not if you get knocked down, but when you get knocked down, the great ones, if you can look up, you can get up. You get up, dust yourself off, and you get back in the game. Think about when you were a kid. Think about when you were a kid. The greatest lessons you learn, you learn by failing. Like you learn how to ride the bike. You fell off the bike and you kept falling off. Imagine if you just stopped right then and there and said, no more. My knees are scraped up. My head hurts. And they're laughing at me. I'm done. I'm not learned how to imagine that. But you but you got back on the bike. And they pushed you. And you fell. And you got back on the bike. Get back on the bike. And play with it. So before we wrap things up, do you want to tell people where they can find you and yeah. support what you got going on? Yeah. So I just wrote a book. It's centered around winning. It's called The Winning Edge. And it talks about strategies um, that I use and that you can use to win in the game of life. But I have a very special offer probably for the next year or so. I, it's it's free. I got the download version free. All you got to do is go to my uh Page is Sean Harper, S H A W N H A R P E R dot C O, not dot com, just dot C O. Go to that page, you can get a free download of the book. My website 
is same name, seanharper.org, O-R-G. I got videos up there, I got testimonials up there, just contact uh, information that you can get in contact with me. Everything is there. So go there uh, and you can leave a message and we will respond. Whatever you need. If we can do it, we'll do it. Well, Sean, thank you so much for this opportunity, man. I really appreciate your time and you sharing your story. Oh, thank you. And thank you once again for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to Hustle and Motivate. Unlike most podcasts, we don't ask for a review. We don't ask you to subscribe or any of that stuff. All we ask is that you just tell one friend about the show. If this episode had a positive impact on you or you think it would be relevant to a friend or family member or colleague, just shoot it over to them. And I just want to thank you guys so much for all your support, for the words of encouragement, for shouting us out on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. We really appreciate it and it really goes a long way. So that's it for this week. And remember, Hustle and Motivate is brought to you by JokerMag.com, the home of the underdog.